Hi again, everybody. I'm Jamie Allison, and this is the Big Idea, Big Moves podcast. This is the destination for high performers. We talk to people from different genres, different niches, people just doing really cool things in their space. Um, we talk to CEOs, we talk to athletes, we talk to people that are uh, uh, you know, scientists or, or just doing really cool things. And we try to take little bits of what they say and some of their journey, and hopefully you can apply it in your lives as well. And I know we have one today, really kind of cool uh, uh, discussion that I know we're going to get into. Just before we do that, um, if you've been listening to the podcast for a while, you know that we have a connection with the the Athletic Brewing Company. Um, they, uh, you know, Bill and John down there at Athletic, they started the company because they wanted to have um, a real craft brew taste and, and some of those really kind of deep tastes in beer. Um, but they found there wasn't really any of that in a non-alcoholic um, beer that that matched their lifestyle, allowed them to um, kind of, you know, be able to do the things they want to do, but still be health conscious. So, um, so they came up with, um, again, Athletic Brew, and uh, they have only 50 to 70 calories per can. Uh, they're available in both the Canada and the US, so great for our audience as well. Um, so if you go out to our Instagram bio, you can click on that and you'll be able to see a link there um, and you can take a look. I, I think they also have um, free shipping on orders of two or more six packs right now. So um, definitely take a look at that and uh, um, you know, uh, hopefully uh, it'll be something that you can try out. So I am really excited about uh, my interview today um, for a couple of different reasons, because I, I just find this really to be a quite an inspiring story. Um, but, uh, but also, as, as people who've listened know that, uh, um, that we're based in Canada, so this is kind of cool for us coming up to, uh, uh, coming out of the last Olympics, which was the timing was a little bit different, and then going into the next, uh, the Winter Olympics as well. Uh, so Vincent de Haitre is a two-sport athlete. He represents Canada internationally in both speed skating and track cycling. He represented Canada in speed skating at the Olympic Winter Games in 2014 and 2018. And then following the 2018 Games in Pyeongchang, he decided to take a two-year break from speed skating to focus on track cycling ahead of the 2020 Olympic Games, which kind of got pushed a little bit. And after placing fifth in team pursuit at the Tokyo Games, he became training for, uh, he began training for speed skating again with uh, the aim of qualifying for the upcoming 2022 Olympic Winter Games in Beijing. And so he holds the national record in 1000 meter, I think in both cycling and speed skating, which, uh, you know, if you know that, like to do that in two different sports is, is pretty crazy. So first of all, I know that you're just coming off a bunch of uh, World Cup races uh, to kind of start that part of the season from your end, uh, uh, Vincent, but um, maybe tell us a little bit about your experience so far in that transition, because that, that to me is pretty crazy to come from this, you know, summer Olympics high right into something different. How's that transition been so far for you? Um, the transition so far has actually been quite quite a lot more challenging than, than we had originally anticipated, um, more or less because of the time frame. Originally, the plan was to have a year and a half to get back to it. And now I'm down to 180 days in between closing ceremonies for the summer and opening ceremonies for the winter. And that's from the games, not even the qualifying process, which is almost immediate. Um, once I, I got blended from the games, I was back on ice a week later. And so like a one week break isn't much. And I didn't have a break before then because I kept trying to combine some, some sports and, and trying to work out a plan to make it all work. And realistically now it's just trying to manage, uh, my energy and injury prevention, uh, with the physios being very diligent with that kind of stuff. Um, there's been some close calls and race net trials. I, I pulled my groin before the races and I, I still managed to get myself to the World Cups, which 
had I still had good races and not qualified for the World Cups, we would have still been happy with the staff and, and the coaches with my progress. But the fact that I had okay races and I still managed to qualify for World Cups, I was ahead of, of schedule. Um, but traveling, getting back to World Cups and that sort of thing was, that's, it's a bit of a stretch for me right now. So I'm doing the best we can, but we're working on a lot of technical stuff because I've been away for so long that, um, you know, it, you could say it's like riding a bike, but at some point, you know, at the highest level, it's, it's, it's not. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, it's funny because I think, I think most people, like if they're the lay person out there listening to this is thinking, well, yeah, but you're in incredible shape, obviously, if you're, you've, you know, you're cycling at the highest level and, and that should translate nicely into speed skating. But, but I think the thing to remember is probably that it's the nuances when you get up to this level of performance that it's, it, you know, I'm, I'm assuming it's, it's little technical things that have, that make the difference at this point. Is that right? Yeah, there's a lot of little technical stuff that just doesn't come so naturally. But also at the same time, you have to always keep in mind that cycling is a non-weight-bearing sport, meaning that you're actually sitting down while you're doing it. And the G-force you're feeling is still not being carried by your own body. You're pushing force into your pedals, but it's not loading your G-force. Like G so yeah. versus skating is when you go around the turn, the faster you go, the more weight there is on your leg, but you also have to support that weight. So that's interesting in that sense. But also, uh, you have to consider that cycling is a very um, straightforward up and down motion. And every and your body is, is propped up by your arms versus skating. You're not propped up by your arms. You actually have to hold your own upper body up. But you also have to push side to side. And just think of how often in your day to day do you move side to side? Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. you're always just, you'll just turn and start walking. That Like you don't crab walk places, you know? Yeah. Um, but that's essentially speed skating. So your hips, your groin, your knees, like your, your low back, they, when you don't use it constantly, mm-hmm. um, you tend to lose that tendon elasticity and that kind of resilience to load. And so that's what we're working back in with the physios is getting that kind of resilience back, which hasn't come back as, as fast as we wanted. So it's really, I guess, changed the way we approach our training. But overall, we, we have a good plan and I have a good team around me. Good, good. Well, and uh, one of the things I know you've talked about in the past is that there's been, um, uh, you, there have been a lot of people who've had doubts about whether or not you can do two sports that are, are you know, c- still considerably different. They're even a winter summer kind of sport thing too, right? So um, is that something you've had to overcome a lot of? <laughs> like, is there perceptions and, and doubts about whether you could, you could even do this? I mean, only I think six people have done it. Canadians have done it, I think, to now. Is that right? Um, in terms of summer winter Olympians, yeah, there are, I'm, I would, I'm number 13, yeah. but some of those are like track and field to bobsleigh, which are right. running sports. Um, right. so if you look at it that way, uh, yeah, like it's, it's kind of different. Yeah. No, I think, uh, the other one is, would be cross country skiing and cycling. Yeah. Um, so yeah, like it's, it's, they all, I'm sure they all present their own challenges, uh, my biggest challenge right now is this the short time frame, which you wouldn't have seen this time frame even when the Olympics were the same year back in uh, pre-1994. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of the, my challenge right now is, is the short time frame. Yeah, it's the, the COVID piece kind of threw a wrench in, in the plan because you would have had a lot more run up to it and being able to change focus, I would assume, um, yeah. and being able to do it the way you've done it. Um, 
well, and you have been involved in both kind of individual sports and team sports. And I know kind of there's different components of what you do right now that have kind of both of those things. But um, for you personally, uh, which one fits your competitive nature better? Like, is it, are, are you more of an individual sport, sport person or a team person or how does that work? I think as I've grown, I've, I've learned to appreciate the team around me more in terms of other athletes and, and that sort of thing, especially coming back to skating and, and being with yeah. a group of guys that, you know, I really enjoy being around and get along. Um, but I think as an individual and, and what I, what I like for myself is I'm, I'm definitely an individual sports person. Um, not in any, not in any like bad way around anyone else. It's just the way I like to, to go about, uh, how I do things. I like the accountability that I have when I'm on my own. It's uh, you do well is because of you, you do bad is because of you and you can know, you know exactly where you went wrong. It's not anyone else's fault. And if, uh, if you win, you know, you're proud of, of what you did. You don't, you know, you're also like happy for the team if you're in a team sport. But, um, for example, if, if I had a good team pursuit race in cycling, but I knew that I was the weakest link in that race, then the result isn't good for me. Like right. it, I, it's, it's bad, but it, I have to be happy around my team because for them it's good, you know? Yeah. So it's, I like, I like being on my own for that kind of stuff, but I also can appreciate and respect that you need a team to, to improve as an athlete. Yeah. Whether it's an individual sport or a team sport, you need those people around you. Yeah. And do you use that from a goal setting perspective? Because you kind of talk about how, um, you know, it might be different how the team kind of figures out success and how you figure out success. Uh, how do you approach that yourself? I mean, you must, I would assume, be a pretty goal oriented person to do what you're doing, kind of even with the two sports. But um, how do you approach goal setting for yourself? How do you how do you measure that? And what's success for you? Um, I think it's like it's pretty like multi-layered, I would say. Um, obviously there's the end goals that you kind of just set right at the start and you kind of don't think about anymore. And then at the end, you see whether or not you got to them, because I found that if you just focus on the end goal, you lose track of how to get there. Um, so it's really important to not focus solely on, you know, so as an Olympian, you're, you're like always being asked, well, must want a gold medal. I was like, yeah, but I can't wake up every day thinking, gold medal i gotta wake up every day thinking all right make a good breakfast go to training on time yeah. <laughs> like get good quality practice in um you know you can't be thinking about the end result because the end result isn't the path it's the destination then you got to focus on your path and so you focus on that so when last time i was asked like how do you set goals i say you set long-term goals short-term goals and you set big long-term goals and small long-term goals and big short-term goals and small short-term goals that way no matter what you can at least get one goal done that day you know yeah. um and i think checking goals off the list like just steps along the way i think every step you take should be a goal you know they shouldn't just be you should you should celebrate the little things you got right um so if i go to training and i and i set some good lap times I'm like all right that's good you know it's a step in the right direction and you kind of celebrate and turn. I'm not saying like celebrate, have 10 beers and, and <laughs> go out. Like that's also another thing. Like you have to be diligent on, on what you do on your day to day. And you got to live your life or your lifestyle in a way that's conducive to moving towards that goal. Now, that being said, there is a balance that needs to be achieved in life. Because if you focus 100% of your energy all the time on, on getting everything right, 
you'll find that you'll probably be improve quite quickly in the first few weeks, but most people and almost everyone will likely get off track at some point and be just so burnt out from trying to be so perfect all the time that they won't find their way back. Um, and so how do you, I, how do you mix those? Because I mean, I would assume you do a lot of training. You do a, you have to do a lot to focus on, on a very specific goal. How do you balance that yourself? Like, you know, you've got a, you've got a personal life, I'm assuming, and you've got all those things you've got to somehow mesh. And I'm sure they change what, what's priority at certain times, but, um, but how do you start to mesh those goals together yourself? Yeah, for me, I think you have to determine whether or not, and I, I, I use this analogy kind of a lot, but whether or not you're the kind of person with like an on-off switch or you're the kind of person with like a dimmer. So picture like your on-off switch, like on be for me would be on for sport or on for life. So if it's off for sport and it's on for life and it's off for life, it's on for sport kind of thing. Um, and if you know whether you're an on-off switch person or a, a dimmer person, you can kind of then approach your next scenario with the right personality. Um, like some people, they, some people can, can be kind of the same person in and out of sport. But I, what I found is at, at a certain level, you need a certain mindset in sport to, to really keep pushing, keep moving forward. You know, it takes, it takes a certain personality type to wake up in the morning and say, I'm going to choose pain today. Uh, my legs are going to hurt. My throat's going to hurt. Um, you know, I'm going to be told that that wasn't good. And I have to just accept that I'm being told that that wasn't good. Uh, and then it's on me to figure out how to make it better. No one's out here. Obviously, your teammates want to help you and they will help if you ask. But at the end of the day, it's on you to, to get it right. And so you have to be able to accept that, like, you're going to get some criticism every day and you're going to feel tired. And sometimes the coach wants you to wake up feeling sore so that you can focus on other things the next day. So it's if you have that mindset and, and you know going into it that you have to have that mindset, then you're prepared for it. But if you wake up one morning and like, oh, life's, uh, you know, thinking about uh, paying your taxes or, or I got to take a dog for a walk. And then you show up and you're just like, oh, I'm feeling pain right now. What, what, what is this? Like, that's <laughs> not fun at all. But if you approach it knowing that the goal was to feel discomfort, then you can be happy in achieving that goal. Versus if you wake up on a day off and the goal is finding happiness, doing things that you enjoy, then you can be happy knowing that you did things you enjoy. And so it's about finding the balance between when you, when you want to go do something, you decide whether or not if it's for performance or for, for personal happiness. Mm -hmm. And not all, most of the time, those two don't always go together, but you have to remember that sometimes just being happier will bring performance. So just cause say, uh, like, uh, let's say two nights ago, I had a glass of wine. Yeah. Now you could say that having a glass of wine isn't going to make me any faster. So why would I do it? Well, it made the meal nicer and that made me a little bit happier. Yeah. Um, and being happy makes me more consistent in training, which makes me continue to improve and continue to want to improve instead of just kind of getting just dreary and, and, and into a, a groove of training where it's not really enjoyable. I can, then find little things every now and then that make me happy as long as I don't do it every day. And, you know, you, you still remember that you'll be happy when you achieve each goal along the way, then you don't have to focus on finding goal uh, happiness in ways that make you slower in sport. Yeah. 
No, I, I, mean, I think that's great because I think there, there's often a, a real focus on you can't do that stuff rather than just figuring out how do you, how do you integrate the two into your life, you know, and, and yeah. that's, that's applicable, you know, beyond just kind of high performance sports and, and things like that as well. Um, how much, how often do you think about, you know, your, your goal of, of doing this so quickly in these two, uh, um, these two sports, um, the historic part of it, like how often is it that you just think, wow, you know, like if I'm, if I'm able to do this, that this is, this is not just a personal goal. It's a, it's a pretty, pretty big, cool thing. If I'm able to do it, does that come into your mind often? <clears throat> yeah, it, it, it does. It, it does. Especially whenever I talk to the physios, because there's all, I'm always there because there's a problem. Um, <laughs> But then I think like, unless there's another pandemic down the road, I don't think anyone else is going to be able to get this done. Yeah. Um, yeah. You do have a special window that, yeah, <laughs> that others yeah. don't have. Right. I think a few others gave it a try and decided not to in a couple of the sports. I, I think I was made aware there was a couple Paralympians from, uh, I think it was bas- uh, wheelchair basketball and sledge hockey. And they yeah. even decided that it was too short of a window. I can imagine also with team sports qualification is a little bit different and then that sort of thing. So um, I wasn't exactly sure who it was, uh, but there were, I think there were a few other athletes who were trying or thinking about it, but at the same time, there was also athletes who one extra year of pandemic and they decided to call a retirement instead of pursuing an extra year. Like everyone has, you know, their own uh, story and their own, their own struggles as to why they're in sport and, and what's keeping them in it. And maybe, yeah, maybe an extra 300 days was just too long. You know, yeah, you don't know yeah. which injury they're they're carrying and they're just kind of managing it, managing it, knowing that the only way it's going to yeah. go away if they just stop doing their sport, their yeah. back is going to stop hurting, which yeah. sounds amazing sometimes. Yeah, uh, yeah. So you never know with, with athletes. But for me, the the historic side of it is, um, yeah, it's it's something that I, I kind of like for myself. Um, but at the end of the day, it's, it's performance and I, I want to be good. Um, I wrote to a, a, a Dutch skater a while back, maybe uh, when I was first thinking about coming back and says, Hey, like, I'm going to be come back. And he said, Oh, can you skate? And I asked him, do you mean, am I still fast or do I still remember how to? <laughs> and he's like, both man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. One comes before the other, I guess. <laughs> so then I told him I'm not coming back just to lose to you. <laughs> so we'll, well have to wait and see. So, uh, you know, I guess, uh, you know, you, you kind of mentioned it there a little bit is that, um, you know, there is the historic part, but there is that whole piece about whether or not um, you get to the performance level that you want and, and all of those things. But, um, but also that how for a lot of athletes, I mean, this is, you know, there are a lot of choices people have to make as they go along. Uh, I think a lot of people don't realize until sometimes very close to an Olympic, you know, event, um, how much goes into even just making sure that you're able to do it because of funding and all of those things, because we are talking about, um, you know, amateur sports and, and, or sports that haven't got the big kind of huge companies behind them a lot of the time. Has that been, uh, you know, when you do this twice in that amount of time, um, how much of a strain is that for, for, uh, you or other athletes when they go through this and, and maybe people don't realize that it's, you know, it's, it's having to get there is also something that, uh, you know, even if you have the athletic ability yeah i mean being physically capable of doing it is usually not good enough to get there um there's a lot of people who are physically capable of doing it It, for the longest time i had so many training partners in skating that were just as fast if not faster than me in training but 
I outqualified them in racing. And it's just, that was the way it went. Um, But I, I saw how good they were and it made me want to be better because knowing that, you know, these people are all just as, if not better than me, makes me want to level up because that's just the way kind of we're, we're wired to be. You know, you yeah. don't see someone better than you. you're like, oh, well, I guess I'll quit. You know, yeah. it's like, you know, yeah. you see someone better than you. It's like, you're a human. I'm <laughs> a human. I yeah. should be able to do that. <laughs> uh, well, that's just the way I look at it. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, sometimes being good enough isn't good enough. Um, you know, you have to be able to deal with the setbacks and say your federation is changing a rule or mm-hmm. the selection criteria is like, oh man, that makes it like really hard or, at any point in the season, like, okay, like we had a, a few weeks ago, a few of the guys lose their carding because this election said, okay, well, because last year was a pandemic, we still have to qualify people to the program. So you have to finish top four in this event. If you don't, you get your carding taken away. And yeah. we had a skater on our team that was like, sorry, like you're going to lose your funding this year. And so, you know, he was good. He like by the new criteria, you know, we had fewer carding, fewer yeah. people could be funded this year because we had fewer um uh, cards you know national team cards to be on the team yep. so which means yeah he was good enough to get carding on last year's but on this year because we have fewer it's like there's no other option you know yeah so yeah um you know it it's it's heartbreaking to see that kind of stuff it's just like here's this guy doing everything he can and he just like he was just right there and yep. it was taking away they can still train with the team and that sort of thing and they're still part of the group Right. But it's just like these little things and they have to then, you know, prepare and keep training and try and get there at the next qualification opportunity. And it's about seizing those opportunities when they come. And that's the next big thing is, is whenever there's an opportunity and I, I say opportunity, but it's really just whenever there's a selection period, yeah. you have to, you have to be there and you have to be ready and you have to do everything you can to, to get there and then to get to the level that you need to get the funding that you want. And, or need um and so it's it's interesting in that sense and then you know you have to be able to accept that not every day is going to be a good day and you have to be able to turn that around and it's it's interesting and it's challenging and it's kind of what i like about sport um it i like the highest level if if like everyone wants to like see what it's like you know the the most extreme version of this is f1 and you know there's only 20 seats available and, you know, there's so many good drivers and just because yeah. you're good enough doesn't mean you're going to be there. <laughs> it's just, right. It, right. it's crazy the way it works. And yeah, you know, the Olympics is once every four years uh, and it's, it's crazy and it, it's amazing. It's, it's a great event, but um, yeah, it's, it's interesting. a lot of pressure, a lot of pressure yeah. on people. Yeah. Well, and, and so, um, you know, one, it, You've you've mentioned there a little bit about how that like there's such subtle differences when you get close to, uh, um, you know, when you go to those last events that have so much on them, um, you know how mu- how much plays into it with mental performance. Like, do you how do you clear your mind in those things? I mean, you've been to Olympics before, so you know how that's like the ultimate in pressure event. I would assume when you're there. Um, how do you how do you personally tackle the mental performance side or or whether you do anything special i don't know um but um how much does that play into it i mean a lot of athletes that we've talked to have said that's that's often the differentiator when you get to the highest level is how do you handle whatever that pressure is or keep yourself focused does does that work for you yeah um 
how you handle the pressure, I think it varies from person to person. Um, you know, some people are extroverts and they handle the pressure by just being, you know, more extravagant, talking to more people and being very social. Some people are more introverted. They handle pressure. They just, just back away into their own little bubble. And, yeah. you know, they, they control everything in, in their little bubble and everything they can control is being controlled and everything they can't control. They just let it go, you know? Yeah. And it's about really, that's a really a key thing, whether or not you're, whatever you're doing is if you can control something and it's within your control, then have control over it. But if you can't control something and it's out of your control, don't try and control it. You're going to waste your energy on it and you're not going to be focusing on the things you can control. And so, you know, if, if you know that like there's a risk that you break a piece of equipment, well, you can control that. Bring a spare. You know, if, if things are likely to break, bring a spare. You know, you're not going to, yeah. you don't want to automatically lose just because you didn't have a, a $5 frame with you, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, little things like that. You know, if, if you know that like polishing your skate, you know, will make it glide better, do it. <laughs> you're not going to automatically choose to be two tenths slower at the end of the race just because you didn't feel like polishing your skates. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's like homework or anything, you know, if you're, preparing for a test and you know you know which pages of the textbook are going to be on the test read those pages you know that's a great analogy that's it right it's the it i mean you can prepare yourself i mean other than actually getting ready to do it you can do everything before that it's funny that we we talked to um a while ago we talked to tia toomey and asked um because a lot of people she sounds like you know when you were talking about um, having that suddenly when you get into a competitive environment, you kind of go off to yourself and you're very kind of based, you know, you, you focus on what you have to do and don't necessarily talk to people as much in that environment. Um, and she said the same thing is that I don't think the best time to talk to somebody is in the competitive environment. <laughs> she said, because if people know me outside of that, I'm not like that at all. But when I'm there, I'm very focused and I may not be, you know, as social as I'd normally be because I just focus on what I have to do while I'm there. And, uh, um, it is interesting how many athletes are like that when it's, they're just a different person in that competitive mindset because they have a very specific goal, I would assume. Yeah, exactly. And, and that's also part of things that you can control. My family, they asked me, you know, well, since I was a kid, like probably since I've been 12, I've been kind of dictating what I want in, in sport. Uh, and they've been very respectful of it and very helpful. Um, but they know that like, I'm, I don't want to call, like, I, I want to be on my own and I don't want to talk about how I'm feeling every day because if I'm feeling shitty, I don't want to, you know, go into why I'm feeling shitty and think about it for an extra hour while talking to about it to my parents and talking about it to my coach and then t- talking about it again to the sports. I can spend my whole day talking about how shitty I feel instead of just going on and, and getting over it and then thinking about the things that I can do to not make me feel shitty. Yeah. Um, so they know that like on, on approaching races, the bigger the races, the further out kind of thing. But, um, you know, I, I like to be on my own. I usually just sit, watch movies if I want and, and do things that, that are low energy, but make me happy. And it's just finding that for yourself and finding out what works. But yeah, um, it's interesting to see different athletes have different approaches, but I think at a certain level, they all start to look similar. Yeah. 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 It, it definitely sounds like it. So, um, so what, um, if you were going to say, you know, you've, you've had some big accomplishments already, um, 
what would you say is like what it, what it, you know i know you i know you'd like to say that i'm i'm going to medal at the the winter olympics but maybe we'll kind of you know what what is it that you're you know uh, you're hoping to achieve over the next little while like do you have do you have kind of an end goal that you're looking for um as far as my career goes um yeah i i'd like to get back to being a competitive athlete in the sport that i'm doing at the time um <laughs> So right now, it's, it's, I'm trying to get back to where I was as a speed skater. And where I was at my best is I was second at the World Championships. And I was fourth at that same, uh, second and fourth in, in two different events. And so for me, that's, I was at the top. I was one of the best in the world and I want to get that back there. And I think it's possible. The coaches think it's possible. And everything we're doing so far would show that in the lab testing, everything outside of the race itself would show that I'm just as capable now as I was then. But it's about getting back to that kind of skating body and, and, and getting back to the the race form that I need. So that's the interesting part. Um, that's the goal is to get back to that same level of competitiveness against the field. Um, and whatever result that brings at the Olympics, then that then that's the goal is to be back and being competitive. And that's all I can ask. Yeah. Um, there was a study that was did it and it, it, I think maybe it was just done in, in speed skating, but it showed that like, if you were consistently placing in the top eight at world cups and world championships throughout, you know, two years before the games, if you're consistently placing in the top eight, you were in for a shot at a medal because they saw, saw that most people will underperform at the Olympics, small, like 5%, 10% will overperform at the Olympics. All right. And then like maybe 20% will perform on, on par. So there's like 25% of people that are same or better and like 75% of people that are usually worse than their best at yeah. the Olympics. So it could completely flip if you're getting yeah. there too. Wow. That's very cool. Well, very cool. Well, I mean, I, it sounds like, I mean, you're, um, it's funny how, how you, you also, I, I'm sure sport has, has changed so much that so much is um, connected to data now too like you see so much and and you really kind of can project a lot better than you used to be able to do as well and so it sounds like the the coaching is really aligned with data I guess now as well yeah it's really interesting I definitely got a good good sense of it in cycling because we have parameters on our bike then we had lap times then we had quarter lap splits yeah. Yeah. and then we overlaid video with live power data for post-ride analysis and it wow. was it was a lot um yeah. so we don't have power meters in, in skating um i'm sure it would be physically possible to create in one but it wouldn't be really practical to have one yeah um, but yeah we still have you know half lap splits lap splits that kind of stuff and we can go we can dig pretty deep into it and it's pretty interesting um but for now it's it's for me personally for now i was just getting back to skating well and, and getting back to the basics and yeah. find out what made me fast before and getting back to that but the yeah. the data side is quite interesting and the lab yeah. testing we do is is pretty pretty nice it's pretty specific and and you know i had a university friend no a friend from high school who went to university of calgary and they yeah. were doing a, a master's in exercise physiology to learn how to be a, a coach for a hockey team and he was saying like he was doing uh, incremental tests with his his uh, classmates and they were talking about the numbers that they were doing. And then they asked me well, what numbers I was doing. And they said, oh, OK, you start your test at where we finished ours. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Well, yeah, I guess that's it depends on who you're who you're tracking it with. Right. Yeah. So that's that's very cool. Um, OK, I, so 
one of the things that we ask everybody um, is to um, uh, to have something kind of, and I'm sure they've already kind of taken away a lot from today's conversation. So thank you for that. Um, one thing would be that it, because there are people from a whole bunch of different backgrounds and, and walks of life that listen to this, is that um, you are, are looking at really um, tackling a, a pretty huge challenge that I'm sure was, you know, you were probably had to go through a real decision-making process because it's a it was a big risk of probably even just like to, to jump into something like that and be out there, um, you know, about it. Um, if someone's looking at a, a big challenge that they're they're really kind of um, on the fence about or something like that, do you have a couple of tips on, you know, what what they should think of in, in order to, to kind of move themselves forward and make that decision? Yeah, I would say is uh, familiarize yourself with the challenge. And by that, I mean, um, for me on my side, it was knowing what the selection criteria is and focusing on meeting the criteria. And that's what gets me to where I need to be. It wasn't, you know, going fast in all the races. It's going fast in some of the races. I don't have right. to be fast all the time. I need to be fast at the right time. And so don't try and get everything right if not everything is being measured. Focus on what the person who is going to dictate whether or not you get to achieve, get to try and achieve your goal or not. Focus on what they value. So if, if I was to like, kind of switch this to like a business sense is if you're going into an interview and you know they're going to ask about um, your volunteer work, well, don't start talking about your grades. They, they want to know about your volunteer work. Right. Focus on what you know they prioritize. Um, or like if you want, they want social skills. Well, don't, don't go talk about athletic ability. Talk about personality. Um, focus on what is a value for what you're trying to achieve and that'll get you furthest quickest. And once you're there and you have everything you need to continue to succeed, then focus on, you know, expanding yourself and, and moving, you know, outward. But if you want to get somewhere relatively quickly, you have to focus on what is a value or what is valued in that aspect. Um, so like, for example, if you want to, if you want to run a marathon, well, don't train by swimming, you know, go for a run. <laughs> yeah. You know, focus on what is of value. Yeah. Wow. That's, I, I, I would say that's, uh, that's probably one of the most applicable things across Basically, it doesn't matter who's listening because everything in your life, and you're right, an interview is a good example or, or somebody, um, you know, if you're designing a business, who's your, who's your client base? Who, what, did, what do they actually want? Not just what, um, uh, not just what you think you want, uh, they want. Mm-hmm. So um, that's, that's fantastic. Um, if people are, are um, going to follow you for the next little while and, and want to find out more about you and, and what's happening leading up to the Olympics, um, what's the best way to do that? Um... I would say social media would be good, but realistically, it's more just my my life in terms of what I think is kind of interesting and then yeah. gets put up there. Um, my website usually gets updated relatively well. It, I think it has all the articles I've ever been interviewed for since I was 13. <laughs> um, so there's there's a, a good little it's 15, 14 years worth of newspaper articles, online web articles, that sort of thing that have all been published um yeah. and they're usually kept pretty up to date most recently with the bbc uh, olympic.ca and espn which yeah. are most recent ones so uh there's that um if you want to follow just the national teams you can follow uh at speed skating canada 
Um, obviously, I'm not cycling too much anymore. So unless I go back to cycling time soon, you could also follow Cycling Canada and, and Team yeah. Canada. Uh, anything big, they'll they'll usually put up. But my own social media, at uh, Vince underscore die, uh, it's more or less there. Yeah. Well, and we'll put all those in the show notes too. So we'll, we'll put the click through so that that way, if, um, if people want to be able to follow what you're doing, whether it's your, your own personal stuff or also just, uh, and, and your website is great. It is something to kind of take a look at. Anybody should go on there and, and really kind of peruse through and, and find out, um, you've, you've got some pretty cool stuff on there, but it's also, I, I just, what you're doing is, uh, uh, is pretty inspiring. So, um, so, you know, I, I guess, first of all, first of all, good luck. And then everyone's going to be watching to see how it goes over the next little while. While, but um, um, thanks for sharing a lot of uh, uh, the behind-the-scenes stuff as we go through too. We really appreciate that. So, uh, so thanks for taking the time. Yeah, no worries. My pleasure. All right. And anybody else, if you haven't subscribed to the podcast, make sure you do that right now. Uh, we have uh, great people on every week. So just make sure you hit subscribe and you'll be one of the first to, uh, uh, to be able to hear them. And uh, again, we'll uh, talk to everybody else again on uh, big ideas, big moves. <laughs>